Amen. Amen. All right. Welcome to church today. I just got to say uh, that the, the worship, my goodness, what have y'all been doing? It is like another level. It, it like, I, I, I wanted to, I'll be 50 years old two weeks from today, and y'all made me sweat in worship. Like, I broke a sweat in worship, brother. If I wear a black beanie like that and grow my hair out like that, can I lead that way? That's not gonna happen. But man, praise God. They're, they're, like, I'm serious. The tangible presence of the living God. That is what we live for. If you're, not, if you're not Pentecostal, you're not gonna know what I mean when I say I almost took a lap. I did. I'll, I see y'all, y'all did like that. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all start running back. <laughs> Make, oh my goodness. Uh, man, what a, what a great, great day. I, I, wanna, I just wanna say thank you for having me back. I love New Hope. This is like a home away from home for me. I love your student ministry. Your students have been coming to our summer camp. Crossroads Summer Camp. Uh, we're looking forward to having them back this summer. I love, love, love what God's doing in the student ministry here. And Pastor Reese, listen, man. The Bible says that we need to give double honor to those that teach and lead. And I wanna double honor you right now. I wanna double honor you for your shepherding heart. <laughs> brother, brother. If, um, if I knew how to give you triple honor, I would do that. But I'm gonna give you double honor and I'm gonna tell you one more thing. I said this in the first service too. You look amazing, man. Like I, I'm gonna tell you, you look great. I don't know what you're doing, but it's working. So work it. But I made, the, I made a joke in the first service that his wife probably couldn't uh, keep her hands off of him because he's so good looking. But hey, seriously, you're, but you, listen, man, you, you're doing a great job. And uh, all kidding aside, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for being a true shepherd and a true pastor. And thank you for who you are. We love you, man. <laughs> thankful for you. He, he hates that. He hates it. I could see the look on his face when people started clapping and cheering. And he hates that. And that's why you're worthy of double honor. Because you know it's Jesus. You know it's Jesus. Well, y'all ready for the next two and a half hours for me to preach up? A, I'm just kidding. I can't do that, I wish I could. I want y'all to uh, welcome my two friends, Tim and Damon, all the way from Anderson, South Carolina. They came up with me today. Um, these guys are two of my very best friends and we get to have a close friendship. They're part of my church where I'm a pastor in South Carolina. And uh, my wife also sends her greetings, Shari. She has preached here before. And I've got two teenage boys. Jojo is 17, he's six foot four. He runs a four, five, 40 yard dash. Uh, he wants to play football at Clemson or basketball at Chapel Hill. And, um, <laughs> I know better than to poke that bear. I'm just gonna leave that one right there. I'm a South Carolina boy. I did live here for 23 years in North Carolina. I'm a Gardner-Webb fan, so I got no dog in the whole fight. Duke, Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest. Did anybody pull for Wake Forest still? I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm gonna plead my ignorance here. Um, listen, I wanna go ahead and jump in. I wanna show you something today about the heart of Jesus, that Jesus was outward focused, okay? Jesus looked out into the world to find broken, lost, jacked up, crazy people to help. 
and he didn't have to look very far. He still doesn't have to. As a matter of fact, broken, sinful, jacked up, messed up people are about the only thing that Jesus has to work with because none of us are perfect. We all need his grace. And so I wanna show you today that Jesus was outward focused. He, he wasn't okay with the kingdom of God just being a hand-selected few people. He wanted the whole world to hear the gospel. He wanted the whole world to be a part of the kingdom. That's why he said to Nicodemus in John 3, 16, that God loved the world so much he gave his only son so that whoever believed in him could have eternal life. And I wanna take you back to a story today from the scripture that I bet you are familiar with if you ever went to Sunday school. So uh, I, I'm gonna hit a little note here and see if anybody picks up on the song. And if so, I want you to sing it with me. Are you ready? Zacchaeus was a... Okay, that's enough. You know it. You know the song. Okay. We sang the whole thing in the first service. It was painful. That's why I'm just going to stop right there. I grew up hearing this song, singing this song, but also grew up with this story in Sunday school at the little Baptist church where I attended. My parents were Baptists. My grandpa was Pentecostal, went to Presbyterian Christian school. I got issues, I know. <laughs> I need counseling. But I wanna show you what Jesus was all about in Luke 19. You can turn there. Luke 19, verses one through 10. Luke 19, one through 10. The title of the message is Up a Tree. Up a Tree. I remember I got in a fight with my very best friend, Eddie Malden, when I was a kid. Some of y'all, you think fighting means you hate somebody. Where I grew up, the people you fought with the most as a kid back in the 1900s meant that you loved them the most. We used to fight like cats and dogs. We'd get in big fights. We had a big fight one day, and I can remember walking home from the fight, nine years old, climbing up in an apple tree in my backyard that my, my, at my house where I lived. And I remember thinking, I just need to be away so I can think. At nine years old, I can remember climbing up a tree thinking, if I can just get away from this, my mama won't know, my daddy won't know that I had a fight with my best friend. And sometimes... We all find ourselves isolated. We find ourselves up a tree. We find ourselves withdrawing from others. We find ourselves withdrawing from God. Oh no, God, I did it again. I looked at porn again. Let me withdraw from you and climb up a tree. Oh no, God, I, I got angry again and lost my temper with my wife again. I, I probably can't go to church for the next six months because God saw what I did. Oh no, God, I, I, I cheated on that in class again. It's my fault. I waste all my time on social media. I don't study. I cheated again. I, I, I withdraw. I climb up a tree to get away from God. But in reality, in this story, Zacchaeus is up a tree. He climbed up in that tree actually to get a look at Jesus because he was curious about who Jesus is. And hey, if you're a human being with a brain, I think you should be curious about Jesus. Who is this man that we date our calendars based off of his life and death? Who is this man that split history right down the middle and changed everything? Who in the world is this man that one out of every three human beings on earth claims he is their Lord and master? 
even if you're an atheist, even if you're an agnostic, even if you're a former Christian who was deconstructed, you need to be a little curious about this man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, because this guy ain't going away. Zacchaeus was curious about Jesus, so he climbed up a tree. And we're gonna read that story right here, 10 verses from Luke 19. And because I am almost 50 years old, I'll be reading my scripture like this today because I'm too stubborn to get glasses. All right. Luke 19, one, here's what Luke records. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Pause. What is Jericho famous for? Well, you probably remember the story. Joshua and the children of Israel been wandering around in the desert for 40 years after they left uh, Egypt. And they cross over the Jordan River and the first town they come to that they have to confront is the city of Jericho. Jericho was a city known for its walls. The walls were built around Jericho to defend it. Zacchaeus has walls built up in his life. Zacchaeus is walled off to the outside world. You'll see why in just a moment. Jericho is a place where a battle happened in the book of Joshua. And there is a battle that's about to take place in Jericho right now for the soul of one notorious sinner named Zacchaeus. Don't miss the connections. Verse two, there was a man named Zacchaeus. We know from that name he was Jewish. This is a Jewish name. And Zacchaeus was a chief Tax collector, oh, and by the way, Luke says, he was rich. Now, raise your hand if you love paying taxes. Can I see the hands of all the liars? <laughs> Nobody enjoys paying taxes. Now, I pay them. I wanna pay what I owe, and I pay a CPA to make sure I don't pay a dime more legally and ethically than I owe. But I wanna pay taxes, I, I want to. I don't enjoy it, but I wanna drive on roads that are paved. I want a military to keep me safe. I want police officers I can call when the bad guys are coming. I want my kids to go to school. Nobody enjoys paying taxes in America, but we can see our tax dollars at work. But I want you to see this about Zacchaeus. As a tax collector in the days of Jesus, Zacchaeus would have been the most hated man in all of Israel. No one was more hated than him. The Israelites, by the way, nine days ago, I was in Jericho. Literally, nine days ago, I drove right through Jericho, my 10th trip to Israel. It's still a big city. The oldest consistently inhabited city in the world, by the way. So, so he is collecting taxes. The Roman government had invaded Israel, and the Roman government had sent their army into ancient Palestine to control this country, and they were taxing the Jewish people to pay the Roman soldiers that were keeping them under their power and their control. The tax collectors they recruited were Jewish men that were known to be notorious business dealers. They were corrupt so they would tell the tax collectors, you work for us. You have to collect, I'm just gonna use an arbitrary number. You have to collect $100,000 in taxes from your region and deliver it to us. Anything you collect over that, that's your salary. 
so the most corrupt and notorious swindlers among them could collect $300,000, give $100,000 to the Romans, and pocket the other $200,000. Don't you know they weren't winning popularity contests among the Jews? They hated them. So Zacchaeus is the man we're talking about. He's not just a tax collector. He is a chief among the tax collectors. It means he's a boss. He's a mob boss. He's a mafia boss. He's the OG, the original gangsta of all of the tax collectors. That means he recruits a bunch of other tax collectors to work under him, and it's a pyramid scheme. That's what this is. He's collecting a cut from everything all the other tax collectors collect, and as a result, he gets rich. And he probably lives in a big house and he probably has a lot of money and he probably has no friends and he's probably not married and he probably has no children and he probably doesn't invite anybody over to his house because how would you feel if you knew where the guy was and where he lived? He's in Jericho. He's stealing money from you and all of your friends and all of your family members and this is the man that we read about in Luke 19. It says he was rich. Verse three, he was trying to see who Jesus was but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, Zacchaeus climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. Can I just point this out to you? If the money and the wealth and the riches and the big house and the power If all of that had made Zacchaeus happy, then why would he go out in public among people who hate his guts and climb up a tree so he would stand out and everybody would see him just to take a look at this rabbi that people were talking about that maybe might be the Messiah that everybody had been waiting on. His money had not brought him happiness. His achievements, his successes had failed to satisfy what St. Augustine said is a God-shaped hole in all of our souls that can only be filled with God. And so he is climbing up a sycamore tree. By the way, Deuteronomy says, cursed is anyone who hangs from a tree. So there are layers of symbolism in this story. Zacchaeus is climbing up a tree with his hands and his feet to hang from that tree to get a glimpse of a man that will one day soon hang from a tree by his hands and his feet to save Zacchaeus from his sins. I wish I had more time to tell you the whole story But let's move on. It says, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Because today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not in your retirement, not when you get debt free, not when you finally lose that weight, not when you finally go to the gym more than once a year, no. No, no, not when you get your college degree, not when you get that job, not when you get married, not when your kids graduate from college. Not, no, 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 today. Get down, get down from the tree. Come on, Zacchaeus. Hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. My goodness, I get so fired up about this. Help me, Jesus. I'm gonna preach really fast. Can y'all listen fast? Can y'all listen fast? Jesus was called to go to Jericho. 
He knew it was necessary. But remember, because Jesus is outward focused. He was on a mission to find this guy named Zacchaeus that everybody hated and nobody believed could be redeemed. Nobody thought this guy would ever be a God follower. But Jesus says, come down out of that tree. You're up a tree. There's there's distance between me and you. I want you to come so we can look at each other because I'm going to your house. Now, one of the benefits of being the God man is that you can invite yourself to people's house when you want to. (laughs) When you're God, you can kind of do that. (laughs) Can I come to your house? Yeah, what you gonna bring? You gonna bring a covered dish? You gonna bring a casserole? I'm gonna bring myself is what I'm gonna do. And if anybody's hungry, I'll just take a kid's Lunchable and turn it into enough food to feed 20,000 people. (laughs) So look at what happens next. So Zacchaeus quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. Pause. The last person in Jericho that day that you would expect to have this kind of response to Jesus would be this notorious sinner, Zacchaeus. No one expected that Zacchaeus would be the one that Jesus would identify and then dignify by calling him by his first name. A lot of times we say no for people when it comes to their relationship with Jesus before we've even asked them if they wanna know anything about Jesus. A lot of us have already decided, no, that coworker, he drops F-bombs every other day. No, that guy's a racist. I know he'll never get saved. Man, that person, they vote Republican. They vote Democrat. Can I just offend everybody for a second? They'll never come to Jesus. They, that person right there is so far gone. They're, they're, we say no for people on their behalf before we've even invited them to come and take a look at Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Sometimes the crowd keeps people away from Jesus. That's what kept him. That's why he had to climb up a tree. And so he comes down of the tree. He welcomes Jesus, not just welcomes him, welcomes him joyfully. All who saw this began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. I just, I wanna mock these people because you know what I've learned to do in my life, 35 years in ministry? Ignore the critics, ignore the haters. Don't argue with them. Don't fight with them. Don't, don't fight with a pig because you'll both get dirty, but the pig will like it. Pigs love slop. That's why I don't fight with people on Facebook. Let that be a prophetic word to somebody. They're criticizing Jesus. I can't believe he went to go stay with this sinful man. But what they didn't know and what we sometimes forget is that sinful people like Zacchaeus are the mission of Jesus. That's why he came. So let me finish the story because I got four points to make. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord. When he stood up, this means he had something important to say. When a rabbi would read from the scripture, they would sit in Moses' seat in the synagogue. They would unroll the scroll. They would stand up and read the scroll. This is a position of, of, of serious consequence. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, he calls him Lord. He has converted to faith in Jesus. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Wow, you talk about really believing in Jesus? 
My daddy used to say, my dad was a blue collar worker, hardcore farmer, worked in a motor shop. Man, my dad was country when country wasn't cool. And my dad used to say this. He'd say, he'd say and my dad was a Sunday school teacher at our church. He'd say, I know somebody's really been saved when he saves their wallet and their pocketbook. Zacchaeus had gotten rich, but that money had left him completely poor, so he gave it all back. And he did it publicly, not privately. And look what Jesus says to him in verse nine and 10. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. So haters can keep hating, Critics can keep criticizing. The peanut gallery can keep eating their peanuts and throwing their peanuts. The armchair quarterbacks and the Monday morning coaches can all criticize every play I've called. But I came for the people like Zacchaeus who are broken and busted and far from God. And I will not let anyone keep me from my mission. You're up a tree, but I want you to come to me. Can I show you a few things that make this passage applicable to you? First of all, when you're looking for answers, know this, Jesus is looking for you. We're all looking for answers. We're all looking for answers, but when we're looking for answers, it's really Jesus that's looking for us. Uh, I have been following Jesus now 35 years, and I gotta be honest with you, church, I'm, I've got more questions now than I had when I first got saved. When I was 14 years old and I met Jesus, I had it all figured out. I was so smart in the eighth grade. Any of y'all parents ever had an eighth grader? They know it all, more than Solomon. And now that I'm 49 years old, I'm telling you straight up, I got a lot of questions for Jesus. I do, I don't understand a lot of things. Like, why did God make spiders? <laughs> hate them, hate them, hate them with all my heart. Why did God make cilantro? It tastes like sadness. It does. It just tastes like depression and, 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 and I hate it. When I eat cilantro, I have an allergic reaction. I want to punch people. I hate it. Okay, seriously, I've got a lot of questions, but you know what? The questions I ask, I know you've got them too. And I want to encourage you, just practically speaking, the questions you have about the meaning of life, about why a good God would let bad things happen to people, about why God would allow slavery, why would God allow the Holocaust, why would God allow COVID, HIV? What about those who have never heard the gospel? You got a lot of questions. Instead of letting the devil leverage those questions against you to wedge you out of the presence of God and get you up a tree isolated from God, what if those questions were simply a reflection of the image of God because God made you in his image and God gave you a curiosity and what if those questions actually drove you to Jesus, actually put you closer to the word? What if the very questions you have actually instead of putting you up a tree called you down from that tree and you realize those questions can get get me into the presence of Jesus because here's what I've learned as somebody who has lost a lot. 
I've lost a lot in my life. 10 family members in 12 years, buried my mom and dad a year and a half apart, preached my daddy's funeral on Father's Day. People, this is not pie in the sky. I know of what I speak. The questions that I have, have now, I have learned to let them drive me to Jesus and not away from him. Because what I need is not answers to my questions. What I need is intimacy with God, a companion that will stick with me through thick and thin. So whatever questions you have, that's okay. Ask them. Jesus is a big boy. He doesn't get offended when you ask hard questions. They're hard to you, but not to him. So when, when you're asking for answers, you're searching for answers to all your hard questions, Jesus is looking for you. Notice this. Zacchaeus thinks, I'll climb up a sycamore fig tree to take a look at Jesus. He didn't even realize Jesus had come to that city of Jericho just for him. Just for him. He was already working. My definition of evangelism is me simply joining God in a conversation he's already having with somebody else. Because I'm assuming that God is looking for you the same way he was looking for Zacchaeus. Because it's his mission to seek and save the lost. This also shows me, I mean, Zacchaeus' current condition in this story, he looks rich, but he's actually very poor. Emotionally, he's probably depressed, isolated. Nobody wanted to hang out with him. His current condition was pretty bad, even though it looked pretty good. But your current condition is not your ultimate conclusion. Your, your current condition where you are right now is not your ultimate conclusion. And Zacchaeus is proof of that. Maybe you've gone through a hard divorce. Maybe you were abused physically or sexually. Maybe you've lived with the pain of a bad decision. Maybe you've got an abortion in your past. Maybe you can't forgive yourself even though you've asked God to forgive you for something that you did years and years ago when you were in high school or college and Satan keeps throwing that back up in your face. Maybe you're addicted to pills right now and nobody on earth knows it but you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've been hiding an addiction to alcohol and that's how you, you started drinking just to relax from a hard day at work and now your body craves it and you hide it or you just do it and you think it's okay because you can still function. Or maybe you just can't quit looking at porn. You keep swiping right. You keep erasing your history so that nobody will find out. That's your current condition. Maybe you're depressed. I've gone through depression. Maybe you struggle with anxiety. You have panic attacks. Maybe the last two, two and a half years of COVID and the isolation. And maybe you had it. And maybe there's after effects. I had it three times. Got the shot, got it three times. I still, my, my hands won't warm up when it gets cold weather. My hands started getting cold this past week and they'll probably be cold till April unless God heals me and I'm praying that he will. Hey, I'm just trying to be real with you. Whatever your current condition is right now, the devil's gonna tell you it's never gonna get better, it's only gonna get worse. Jesus is gonna tell you, come to me, come down out of that tree, come to me and I will make you a new person. I can fix every problem. I can break every chain. I can give you life and liberty one more time. This is the truth. Zacchaeus had achieved everything the world said would make him happy, and he was not happy. That's why he went to go see Jesus that day. There is no amount of money you can make. The big merger, the big acquisition, the new job, the new car. Maybe you've been driving a Honda Pilot, and you're looking, I'm gonna get me a Tesla. That Tesla's gonna be an awesome car. It won't make you happy. It won't fill that hole in your heart. 
You've been living on this side of town, but you've been watching these big houses being built over here on the other side of town, and you think, if I can get a job here, and I can, get, and I can live there, and you know what you're gonna have? A bigger mortgage payment and a hole in your heart that's still only gonna be filled by Jesus Christ. Nothing wrong with having good things, but good things will never, ever give you the happiness and the joy and the peace that only Jesus can. And Zacchaeus is proof. His, his conclusion was better than, than his current condition because his conclusion is, at the end of the day, he left that day broke. Like, if I've, if I've taken anything that doesn't belong to me, I, I'm gonna... I'm gonna I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna give half of everything I own to the poor and then I'm gonna quadruple the money I've stolen from everybody else. So if you just do the math, he started that day rich and he ended that day poor. But at the end of that day, his ultimate conclusion, he was richer than he had ever been because he heard Jesus say, you're a son of Abraham and salvation has come to your house. And I'm wondering today if some of you will just let Jesus change your conclusion. Like your life has looked like this up to this point. The story you've been telling has got a lot of ups and downs, a lot of crooks and turns, a lot of curves in the road. Hey, I'm with you. Trust me, I understand. But maybe Jesus wants to give you a better conclusion than the current condition you're in right now. But in order to do that, you have, you have, to, you have to repent. And, and that's point three. Uh, our sins are redeemed when we repent. The difference for Zacchaeus was he was redeemed, but not until he repented. This is not osmosis. You don't get saved by osmosis. You don't become a Christian by just being around religious stuff. That's how I used to study for chemistry tests. It never worked. I hated chemistry. It was a combination of math and science, the two things that I thought were, at that point in my life, satanic things to destroy the universe. I, I just didn't know any better. I was dumb. I used to lay on my bed at night after football practice and open up my chemistry textbook and just like, I would just hope and pray it would somehow get into my head and it never worked. I would always make bad grades on those tests because it doesn't work that way. You gotta put forth some effort. Now, we're not saved by our effort. We are saved by Jesus who died on the cross in our place and shed his blood to take away our sin and our guilt. But you don't get saved just by coming to church or hearing a preacher like me or Pastor Reese preach. You get saved when you repent. Repent means we own it. We own it. We don't spin it. We don't spin our sin. Well, it's Sarah's fault. It's my mom's fault because she left my dad. It's my dad's fault that I'm this way because he was an absentee father. It's my parents' fault because they got divorced. It's my parents' fault because they neglected me. It's my school's fault. It's the government's fault. It's, it's their fault. No, no, we, to repent means I own my sin and I bring it to God and I say, here and now, Lord Jesus, I confess to you, I'm a sinner, I can't save myself. You're the only one who can. I turn away from it and I give you control. Here's how you know you're a Christian. Have you ever asked Jesus to save you? Because if you ask him, he's already said yes on the cross. His yes is always yours. And that's what Zacchaeus did. He repented. He didn't just feel bad for the way he had lived. I feel bad when I get stopped for speeding by the police officer. It hasn't happened to me in about five years, but in my lifetime, 
Can I confess something to y'all? This is so bad, Pastor. In my lifetime, I've been stopped 13 times. I've been stopped more than that. I've gotten 13 tickets. I've been stopped more. I've talked myself out of at least that many or more. And praise God, my record is clear now because my wife and my children convicted me that if I was gonna be a pastor, I had to quit driving so fast. I finally just had to repent. I've got a problem. That's what Zacchaeus does. Publicly, in front of everybody, I'm gonna give half of my possessions to the poor and I'm gonna pay back everybody I've cheated four times the amount. And he did it with accountability. He didn't do it privately. He did it publicly for everyone to see. That's repentance. You know what that leads to? Salvation. And that's what this story is about. Jesus saves us completely and immediately. That's what happens in the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus saved him completely, and we know because he immediately confesses specific sin, repents, and makes himself accountable to doing the right thing, but we know that he does it immediately because he stood up Right there, not next week, not next month. I'm not gonna wait till the Christmas services to get right with God. I'm gonna do it right now, right now. Why delay till tomorrow what you know you need to do today? Because here's what's gonna happen. Some of you, as I'm about to land this plane and give this invitation, some of you know that you need to repent and give your life to Jesus fully and completely. But you're thinking, I don't need to do that right now. I wanna take some time to think about it. I wanna take some time to ponder it. I, I wanna take some time. And in that time, in that space, if you don't respond right now when I give this invitation, if you don't respond by receiving the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus, here's what's gonna happen. The devil's gonna get in your ear and he's gonna lie to you until you, you're fine, you're okay, you're already a Christian, you believe in God, you're not really that bad. And you were just caught up in the moment and that preacher was really excited and you just kind of felt his excitement and you're okay, wait, 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 don't make any kind of brash decision in the moment and, and, and he's gonna lie to you and tell you because if you are saved, he's gonna tell you that you're not and if you're not saved, he's gonna tell you that you are because he's a liar and the father of lies, John chapter eight, verse 44. And then I just have to ask you this. If you know that Jesus has called you down from that tree, and if you're feeling the Spirit speak to you right now and tell you right now, it's time to fully commit everything to Jesus, and you don't do it immediately, right now, I mean, I, I'm not trying to manipulate or scare anybody, but you might die today. You could get killed in a car wreck going home today. You may never have another chance. That is the immediacy of the gospel, that the gospel calls for a decision now. And it's really more about you not delaying the joy of abundant life another second. Don't miss your opportunity, do it immediately. And that's the story of Zacchaeus because at the end of this story, verse 10, Jesus said it, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He's looking out into the world for those he can save. In our first service here today at New Hope, 68 people responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 68 responded. And I know there's gonna be some of you right now that are ready. So I'm gonna ask you to do something. Would you close your eyes and open your hearts? Just close your eyes and open your hearts. Right where you sit, I wanna invite you 
to come down from that tree. I wanna invite you in the same way that Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus into his home, I wanna invite you to welcome Jesus into your heart. So if you know that you need to fully commit your life to Jesus right now, and you are ready to give him control, you're ready to be saved, you're ready to repent and trust Jesus, I'm gonna tell you how you do that. You pray and you ask. You just ask. Like a little child who goes to their mom or their dad, you simply ask Jesus and he'll say yes, he already has. So if you wanna do that, fully commit your life to Jesus right now, pray to him right where you sit. You don't have to pray this out loud. Just pray it in your heart, but you have to mean it. And this, for many of you, will be the first step in a brand new life. Pray this to Jesus right now. He's listening. He's right here in this room. Jesus, I know that you love me. And I invite you in. I open my heart to you. I make no excuses. I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. And I repent. I put my faith in you, Jesus. I believe in you. Forgive me of my sin, please. And make me a new person. I give you control. I give you my past. I give you my future. I give you my heart. I'm all yours. And I'm all in. I'm gonna ask you to keep your eyes closed and your hearts open for just a minute. In about a minute from now, Pastor Reese is gonna come up on the stage we're gonna have an invitation at the altar where people who've responded can come if they want to. But I'm gonna ask with your eyes closed and your hearts open, I'm not gonna make you do anything, but I wanna stir faith in the room and I wanna see how many people have just prayed to receive Christ and just asked Jesus to come and take control. If you did just pray that prayer with me to Jesus, with your eyes closed and your hearts open, I'm gonna ask you to do one simple thing. Would you raise your hand straight up above your head right now if you just prayed those words to Jesus and keep them up, because I'm gonna count hands. I can count really fast, and there's a lot. This might take a second. Keep them up as high as you can. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, now the balcony. 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86. You can put your hands down, 86 of you. Open your eyes. 
everyone to just open your eyes for just a moment. 86 of you just responded to the good news of the love of God in Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that.